Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Welcome to Unloose the Goose, episode 41, Fight the Fear. We were motivated by this one just because everybody's running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And for those of us who raise meat at home, we know what that looks like. So we thought we'd talk just a little bit about hesitations that people are facing in living their lives the way they want to and anything else we feel like talking about. But before I dive in, I want to introduce who's on today's show. First, we have Xavier Hawk from Byron.com. He's on today, and we have a new member of the gaggle. Some of you saw Nisi Bali on our episode with Sal Mayweather a few weeks ago, and we thought she was such a good fit to a podcast on agorism that we invited her to become a goose. So welcome, Nisi, as the latest goose edition. Say hello. Thank you so much. I know, Nicole's like, do you think you could ever make Wednesday work? And and then she told me why, and I was like, <gasps> That's so nice. And yes, I want to be friends with all of you. I want to come play. I want to come play. So thank you guys for having me. And I'm not a big genderist, but it is nice to have another woman in the gaggle. I'm just going to put that out there. Sometimes you guys do it out a lot on the show. Totally. (laughs) It's awesome. So we hopped on MeWe and talked about what people might want to hear about. But let's start with this fear thing, because I know watching watching baseline in the morning that Xavier's seeing it. I know you see it Nithi, all the time. Yes. What do you guys think is behind people hesitating to just go live their lives the way they want to? Well, you want me to start? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. So I'm hearing every, I, I, first of all, there's all these homes divided. Um, what I'm hearing a lot is, you know, they're, the homes are divided, at least in town. I think, am I, I think I'm the only one who's in town. You guys are all out somewhere. I don't really know how far you are. I live in, I live in a pretty big municipal area of South Florida. Okay. So I'm immersed in town um, on purpose because I wanted to teach people how to, you know, eat real food. And um, a lot of people have asked me why I don't farm and why I haven't moved. And I just feel like that's because the people need me here. I talk to mothers and fathers and, you know, um, people who have children, fathers and mothers who are trying to, you know, save their children or remediate their health with real food. And they just don't know how to cook. And I just felt like my work was here because I know how to do all of those things. And I love to teach it. Um and I wanted to support the real farms because we wanted the real food. So there was that part of it as well. Um, and so now when I'm talking to people, you know, I have my food church here in town. We keep the doors locked and we are sovereign. There's no mandates required in here. We don't, you know, we don't let the government uh, create emergencies that don't exist. And we don't give them permission to um, tell us how to live our lives because we are sovereign under God which I guess I'm not even supposed to really say that either, apparently, but I do it all the time because that's that's what I believe. And then on top of that, um, the government is here to serve us. We created 
these systems to create ease for us, and now they've become our masters. And so I find that a lot of the members um, at the beginning were coming in, and they were relieved that they could come in and just be like normal. And then somewhere over the past year, I've got folks now who are starting to mask up when our governor just said, you don't even have to do it outside, outside, of course, not inside. But, um, and I'm like, what's the, what is the shift? You know, and I started asking them, I'm like, what's your diagnosis? You know, because you should only be masked up if you have a diagnosis. I mean, I don't know what's wrong. And if there's something wrong, I need to know because we're here to make you gain help with real food. Um, that's, that's my actual work, right? So I can help you turn that around if your immunity is shot or something's wrong. And I find that they just are like, I just think that I need to do this now. Um, these are some of the words that they say to me, like actually. And I, but they won't explain why. And one lady said, well, you know, my uh, daughter just had a baby and she won't let me come see the kids if I'm not careful. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell on you. So I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. It's very strange. What do you guys think? You seeing anything like this? I haven't yeah. seen people putting on more masks. I've <clears throat> in Florida here. They I mean, they as soon as Biden said you either have a vaccine or you you know, have to wear a mask. And I'm like, finally, everybody's going to stop wearing masks. And I've actually went into places like Publix and stuff. And it's like a half and half ratio. Now people like half of the people are not wearing masks. Um, and I'm making sure to be like, Hey, nice to see you smiling. Nice to see you smiling, you know? Um, and everybody's like, kind of like winking, like, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, um, I think the, the, I, I've said this before on other episodes. I think the the core fundamental thing is that People are afraid of dying. And if they're afraid of dying, then they will be afraid of every other thing that has any degree of uncertainty in their lives that could lead to death, even if it's not realistic. Right. So I want to go change this lifestyle. I want to go and live out in the country. Well, a lot of things could go wrong and they run through the list. And that's like they're afraid of dying. So they're they're very risk averse. Right. And I think it has to do with God in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. Like if you have a good relationship with God, whatever that God is to you, and you feel a degree of eterna- eternality, like you're eternal, your soul is eternal, then there's less of that fear. And you might be willing to take more risks, you know. So that would be my, my underlying thing is, is, is always comes back down to fear of death. I died when I was 17. I know what it's like. So I have no fear of it. And so I'm very uh, risk tolerant. Like I'm willing to to stand up and be like, hey, you're an idiot or hey, you know, and just seem un unpersonable or be willing to have people think of me poorly or whatever. And that gives me the freedom to exercise my freedom and be fully myself and express myself, you know. I agree. When I I lost our thought. Oh, sorry. That's okay. When I when I thought of this topic. I wasn't necessarily thinking about masks, although that's a good one. I was thinking about monkey see, monkey do in a lot of ways where people come to us and say, how do you live as an agorist? How, how do I do this thing? And there'll be this long conversation about ways to go around regulation, like Nefi's food church or ways to be able to to procure things people want, like raw milk or other things of that nature, or 
ways to just start a business now rather than waiting six months for a patent to come through or a trademark registration or a brand to be developed. And they just don't want to start baking the cookies and selling the cookies or printing the mugs and, and getting those out because they don't have their paperwork done. And I think, what are you afraid is going to happen if you start selling this mug with my logo custom engraved on it and you get caught by the logo police? Like, I don't even know who's going to catch you by the I'm not registered police. You know what they're going to do? They're going to send you a letter. That letter is going to say, I notice you don't have a business registration. You need to have a business registration to operate in this municipality. Here's how you get a business registration. And if you don't, we'll fine you or there'll be a consequence. Sometimes there are no consequences, but people are afraid to get started because they don't want to get that letter. It's just a piece of paper in the mail. They're too afraid of the government. We've become so afraid of the government that we established. And that is the problem. And there's no reason to fear the people that work for us. And they have to uh, follow. I mean, to me, the powers that be, I mean, I've been up against all of them. They're easier to deal with than the mob. Yeah. Because the mob that's been raised right now, I'm not going to deal with. But the government, like USDA, FDA, CDC, whatever, I don't care. Like, I'm on all their lists. They they come after me all the time. And they can't do anything because they have to follow. They have to comply. And also, they're just, just not that dedicated. That's a really true thing. If, if there's no reason for somebody to target you and spend time targeting you, they just want to get this letter that they sent that has an open end off their checklist, right? It's kind of like, I have a to-do list of 25 things. I want a to-do list with none, no things so I can sit around and do what I, I want to do. If you can Give them a means by which they get it off their to-do list. They're happy. On the other end, you can vex them until they hate you so much that they figure out how to get you off their to-do list. There's two sides to that coin. But when I think about agorism, it's such a simple concept, right? We're just living and trading and doing what we want to do the best way we know how and empowering each other without asking permission. Isn't that about it? Yeah, I think. God gave us permission, didn't he? I think that yes, and I think it's also important. Somebody just said something in the in the YouTube chat that's kind of um, it made me think about how to reframe all of this. If we live in a dangerous environment, people are willing to be more dangerous, willing to 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 fight back or to um, you know like you said, make it difficult to be on somebody's to-do list, right? Um, and it says once the inflation hits, the government's going to lose power and the mob will get angrier. And it's like when there is a breakdown in the moral fabric and in the, in the, the, the social contract where we have this overarching state that, that is impeding on everybody's freedoms and, and at the same time, everybody's afraid of being impeded upon, you know, people are compliant, but if things break down, like who are you going to be compliant to? Then you have then like it's almost as if that that breakdown kind of needs to happen to shake people up out of their stupor 
and say, oh, wow, I'm actually have to do some things and make sure I protect myself, make sure I make something happen. And we'll, and when survival is, is more key, they're willing to do more to make that happen. Um, because the, the fear of the thing is worse than the actual thing, if that makes any sense. The fear of the thing is almost always worse than the actual thing. I, I, I do my taxes every year and people who listen to my podcast hear me talk about getting my taxes prepared. And I think I talk more about preparing my taxes than I actually spend time doing the reporting, but I so hate doing that reporting that I will spend hours talking about doing the reporting and not doing it. I think you're right on with that one X. Yeah. They're, they're scared of the unknown. And I think that, um, I mean, Nicole, don't we just want, I mean, we were, me and Nicole were just talking the other day and we're just like, can you just get up and do something? Just do it. Jump in the pool because we can't tell you what it feels like here in the pool, but it feels damn good. Feels good. Feels good in the pool. And, you know, you might start sinking for a second, but you're not going to sink that long and you'll start coming up and then you'll, you'll start swimming. You'll be like, Oh, maybe you're not going to do a proper stroke, but you can doggy paddle right on over and ha- and start enjoying the, the water. Right. What do you think? I agree. I mean, it, it's, it's sort of like the adventurism that children have gets beaten out of them emotionally, sometimes physically, um, you know, social pressure conform, fit into the box, fit into society. You can't have these, you know, fantasies. You can't pursue these dreams of yours uh, unless it's like fits within the norm or fits within the, the structure. And the structure is, is more and more conformed and more and more, um, you know, homogenized. And if, if, if the nature of the spirit, that which makes a human a human is the ability to play is the ability to, uh, be silly or to imagine and make new things. That's, that's what makes being human worthwhile. Otherwise you're just a cow like all of the other, you know, farm animals. And if we don't build a society that encourages that, then we don't have a society. We have a farce and there's somebody sitting on top of that that gets to play in their own wicked ways. And it's important that we have that and to just get out and do it to exercise those freedoms, to exercise that inspirational power feels so good. It justifies itself, you know, and, and how you convey that. Well, by being wild, by being wacky, by being empowered, by being uh, vocal and boisterous. And for me, it, it very much feels like I have to be willing to die to, to be this happy, you know, and if I'm not willing to, then then it's not worth it, you know. That's that's the key right there, finding joy. Like you just want to find joy every day, like whatever that, whatever it is that's required. I mean, I, you know, when I was doing this, I I was just thinking like, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? What is What is the worst thing that anybody's going to do? Because, you know, let's just talk about the mug that you want to sell with your name on it or whatever. Like, you know, it's, what are they going to say? You're not, it's not illegal to possess the mug. It's not illegal for somebody to sell the mug or whatever, you know, it's just that, okay, if if you are not following their, their rules, they're going to tell you that that's about it. And like Nicole said, they're going to give you a warning. They want you to comply. 
they want you to to get into the system. Yeah, when you hear about people going to jail for not paying taxes, the amount of money they're not paying taxes on is huge. It's huge. It's not I earned a hundred dollars and I didn't pay my forty percent. Right. And my fifteen dollar registration fee for my business and my two hundred, whatever all of those things add up to. They don't they don't have time for that. So what do you think is the the fundamental thing that holds everybody back in fear? Like what what can they do to A, what is the thing? And then B, what can they do to overcome it? I think they're looking at their life. Most people have a fairly comfortable life. And it is uncomfortable to piss your friends off by telling them what you really think. It is uncomfortable to not know for sure that your paycheck is coming from your job, even though your paycheck may not be coming from your job. Many, many businesses are not that liquid as we saw during the pandemic shutdowns when they could no longer pay their employees. Therefore, they got rid of them. They are unsure of how they will be in their communities if people find out what they really think and if people see them do what they want to do. They're unsure of how to break out from what's been programmed as right in our society and wrong. And what's right changes with the wind. It's hard to keep up with. But we are programmed to want the right way. And everything else is the wrong way. There are two choices, right or wrong. They just they have a hard time conceptualizing there's right and there's right and there's right and there's right. How about I'm just always right in my world? I took that approach and I've got two examples, right? So uh, ever since I was young, I was basically different than everybody else. And so I was always picked on. Um, and when I was when I was scared, I was always picked on. But when I was excited and or alive, I was always followed. People were like, dude. This is exciting, whatever it is, you know, and it made me think of like, oh, I'm going to piss off my friends or whatever. And I've just recently, like through COVID, done that. Like I lost all of my good friends from childhood because I was like, this president is actually doing what he said he would do. And that was basically my statement. Not like, oh, I think he's amazing. Just like he's actually the first president I've ever experienced that doing what he said he would do. And everybody's like, you're a racist. You're this. You're that. You're you're evil. (laughs) And I'm like, are you serious? Like, you guys are like the, the peace and love people. Like, how are you saying these things? Like, just use your brains. But they're, they're afraid of the herd. You know, we are very much herd-like creatures. If they were afraid of the herd and being counter to the herd because it would hurt. But it didn't really hurt. It just made it really clear, um, you know, what I wanted. You know, and once I started actually, like, even my family didn't understand me for very, very, very many years. But then once I started succeeding and doing what I enjoyed doing, they all kind of followed, you know, and it's like, if you, if you take that leap and do the thing that's in your heart, A, you feel good, just period. And then B, the things that you were afraid of or the people that you thought were going to be, oh, I don't like you anymore. You're going to be like, actually, this is kind of good because now I don't have to deal with that sort of stuff or deal with the the other things that came along with it. Like the things that I've lost are not 
they, they don't even come close to how awesome I feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and somehow you're making it work. I think a lot of the fear goes back to a you problem. Everything is a you problem. And, you know, for me, it's a me problem. For you, it's a you problem. I hear people say, my family won't let me do X. Right. I can't do that because my family won't let me. I can't, I can't switch to a ketogenic diet because my family won't let me or my family won't do it too. Right. That's a you problem. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to eat that way when you're seeing ding dongs and Twinkies all the time, especially if you really like sugar, but it's a you problem, right? And if your family loves you, they'll, they'll be supportive. And if they don't, that's something to examine. If they're not going to support you in something you know is going to be good for you, if you're willing to do it in a way that's not going to destroy the family, because, you know, if you realize, hey, I need to do this other thing and my job's killing me, that's bad. But sometimes you need to take a few weeks to transition from the job to the other thing so that you can continue to pay whatever bills you need to pay, right? Yeah. If they're not willing to support you in that journey, then you need to ask why. And, And I think that's the hardest thing about Choosing to live the life you know you should live, to live the best life you can live, right, is that sometimes when you examine toxic relationships around you, you find out you accidentally married one, or one of them is one of your children, or one of them is one of your parents, or cousins, or best friends, somebody you spent your whole life thinking that's the person I can depend on, but can you depend on somebody who's not willing to at least try to support you in something or not quite sure they understand why you would want to do it. Well, Nicole, nobody supports me and my family for what I do because it's so freaking extreme in their mind. They're like, you don't eat anything from the grocery store. You won't just like, we can't cook for you because you don't want to eat stuff out of the store. Um, you know, So, but if I was waiting for them to support me and like what I'm doing, um, I mean, I could wait for that. Or I could also just say, I don't care. You know, they just don't. And that is a hard call. Yeah. If you're waiting for your friends to and your family to, to me, I just need the people in my house to support me, like my husband and my kids. We all need to be on the same page. And then my sister has her family. My mom has her family. One thing I... I'm going to call my sister out a little bit because I really like the way that she and her husband, they want us to get together, but not talk about anything that really matters because we don't agree. So it's just always not fun at all. Yeah. Well, and I'm the, I'm, I'm the, I'm the asshole that always shows up and just talks anyway. I'm that guy at the party, right? Like I'm very much like you. Okay. So I'm listening to you (laughs) and everything you say, I'm always like, yep, me too. Me too. Me too. And they, they kind of kicked me out for the longest time. And I think if I was a guy, I could get away with it more in our culture because we're Indian and it's a very, like the guys can say anything, but a girl, a woman can't say that. And we're supposed to comply and we're supposed to conform and we're supposed to follow. We cannot be leading. You grew up in America at that whole vibe. So you're like, Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I, I thought you'd stop speaking. I think it froze. No, no, go ahead, Xavier. Say it. Okay, you're fine. Yeah, so it's like, you know, you're, you've got the whole like, 
I am free to be whatever I want to be now, you know? And, and it's like, you've made this happen. So do, do I know. <laughs> I, I used to tell my mom, I'm like, why did you come to this country if you didn't want me to be independent and all these things? Right. And you, you keep telling us that you don't want us to need anyone or anything or whatever. And because I'm so strong, you hate me because I just say anything, whatever I, you know. And so, you know, at some point I had to just, and again, it's like Nicole says, it's a me thing. So I had to just love myself enough to just say, fuck it. It's yeah. I'm gonna do what I want to do. And they will have to love me where I'm at. And also I just keep smiling. Now I'm doing the whole smile and wave thing, you know, <laughs> with a bourbon. And I just, Whatever people, whatever y'all are doing, you know, I'm doing like all these other things that I think are helping to move community forward. Um, and then you guys can be the followers and I'm just here because I can only just love you where you're at. And I, I view them now like, you know, how you just kind of view a toddler trying to walk, you know, they're trying to walk because they're following this programming that I was never taught to follow in the first place. Right. Yeah. I'm like, how did you raise me? Because you did raise me. Yeah. So well, they did raise you. They they raised me to be a free thinker. And now now they're like, oops. Yeah, that's yeah, a little too free. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That's too free. Too free. <laughs> they they'll probably like it anyway though. Long term. Uh, they have their days of, of loving what I'm doing and then they, you know, whatever. And then, you know, they'll tell me they admire certain things. So at some point they do kind of have this appreciation, you know, and I just, I mean, all I want, like Xavier, you said, you know, cause you know, I'm tuning in all every day to the news, the real news, the Xavier Hawk news, the baseline. It's the only good news. Um, and, and you said, you know, like, you know, that we're all going to die. We were born dying. Yeah. It's inevitable, right? And also, we can't die. Truly. Truly. It's like going from one dream to another dream. Like, it, it really is. Like, I mean, I could go into my near-death experience and everything, but um, it's essentially like you exist. And all of the bullshit that you think that you are, all of these habituated responses that you have, like, because of your upbringing, because of what culture or what socioeconomic status or all of this other crap that gets foisted on you becomes, like, the, the 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 bullshit that you think that you are and we all play like that's what we really are instead of playing that's all of the things that I carry or can choose to be or choose not to be and when when we play that ego game then we it's hard to break out of that and when you have a deep connection spiritual connection godly connection whatever you want to call it you recognize that you are eternal and, you, and you're here to play you're here to discover you're here to learn so why not take full advantage of that you know, uh, we were having a talk yesterday about being centered and, and earthed and, and, you know, um, and what you're saying is basically that, you know, I mean, we're here to see it, feel it, you know, touch it, create it. We're creators. We're creators. If we're not creating, then we're not having fun. We're supposed to play and mold the clay. And if we're not molding the clay, then, you know, we're not living up to our our potential, but you know, our potential could be that we just want to come here and lay in bed all day. And, and that's okay too. If you just want to come, huh? I miss those days. Well, I'm just saying, 
kids. Five days a week at four in the morning. Yeah, when we were kids and we just laid in the grass and stared at the sky, I mean, that was great. And what was wrong with that? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I encourage my children all the time. I'm like, just go lay down and stare at the sky and see what the clouds are telling you. Like, what are the trees whispering into your ears? I mean, just go and listen to what is happening and just chill out. You know, there's nothing serious going on here, right? That's part of the fun of playing the news diet game. Oh, you yeah. You go off the news for two weeks completely and don't let anybody talk to you about it. And then you look at the headlines and it's like a clown circus news. Yeah. It's news theater. And you realize two weeks ago they were still talking about Orange Man Bad. They're still talking about Orange Man Bad. And he hasn't been president for a while, right? Yeah. Right. Nothing has changed. I'm and like, who's Orange Man? And shortages and war and... You know, all of this stuff, none of it changed. And my not reading it for two weeks had zero impact on if it changed or not. Yeah. I have been following the news for like a year, Nicole, and people are like, um, how do you operate if you don't watch the news? I'm like, what did I miss? What did I miss? Tell me. Tell me what is so important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody, well, did you not see in the news that, that these people that are, that are really rich are like, you know, like creating fake social media accounts for their children so they can get into university. I was like, you're telling me that that influential people are buying their way into the institutions and, and that's new. But that's the thing, right? It's like, there are a lot of fucked up people. And like, for some reason, the world seems more fucked up because we're hearing about them being so fucked up. Now you Nicole, you, Neethi, Jack, John, Sal, you know, all of us are like trying to make something not only of ourselves, but in a way that affects the world in a good way. Why are we not the news? Like the, what it's psychological too, because they say what bleeds leads, right? Yeah. Mm. People are attracted to danger, to, to tragedy, to, for whatever reason. Chaos and confusion. Yeah. And it's, and, and I think it's because everybody wants to make sense of confusion or chaos, but there are people who literally wake up to figure out how they can screw somebody over and get more for themselves. And this is like a a serious disease that the whole species suffers from. Now, why it is set up this way and that, that, that is rewarded and that no good deed goes unpunished is beyond me. And like, I, I, I don't just want to settle for, Hey, I'm an agorist and I'm doing stuff the way I want to do it. I will not settle until it's like, Hey, I'm somebody who's doing good. I want to connect with all the other motherfuckers who are doing good and make that the norm because that other shit, I'm done with it. You know, Xavier, it's, it's set up that way on purpose. Now, you know, everything that we're talking about goes right back to 1910 and the Flexner report, everything. So I don't know how many people are we allowed to talk about this. Talk what you want to talk about. It's okay. Okay. So in 1910, that was when John D. Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie became the primary investors in pharmaceutical. And they wrote this Flexner report and they filed it with Congress and they said that, and they outlined all this stuff, which is what you're talking about, Xavier. They're saying they're, you know, they, they centralized everything, all the systems. 
That was when that happened in 1910. And it was the same time that they decided that we needed a standard of care as far as medicine goes. And then they said that they need a centralized food system because we need the FDA or somebody to look over the food and make sure that it's taken care of. And, you know, Americans really should just have the comfort and and the knowing that we're taking care of them. And so Congress really ought to put more energy towards towards that. And they created all this overregulation and, and and all of this crazy. And then they decided it's okay. You you guys don't have to worry about schooling your children. We'll we'll school them for you. We'll create this, you know, public education system. Everybody should be equal. Everybody should be equal and equally receive this equal education, you know, or, or whatever. So they did all of that with that Flexner report. And it de facto became law. It's not a jury, you know, law. It's a de facto law. And everyone believes, like, that, like children have to go to public school. No, they don't. If you just want to keep them home, you can do whatever you want. But they're like, it's, it's against the law. And then they fear monger everyone into believing that someone's going to come take your kids away if you don't take them to school because it's the law. Well, it's a de facto law. It's not a de jure law, and it won't stand up. Like, they can't make me bring my kids anywhere if I don't want to. So that goes back to, you know, what is happening? Well, you know that we always have these two universes that are that are simultaneously operating. There might be more, as maybe me and Xavier, we could all go into these fourth dimensions. But, but let's just pretend like there's only the two, okay? There's only the two. So if it's the two, then there's the civilized one, and then there's the uncivilized one. So, you know, like if you're living with your feet in nature and, you know, that's the uncivilized one. And then you have the civilized one. If you go see, you know, people who are currently still operating in an uncivilized manner, they're healthier they're just like the wild animal. They don't even need doctors. They're just thriving, robust, happy, joyful. And then the civilized ones, they're the ones that are all trying to figure all this stuff out. And they think they're, it's the competition, Xavier. They've been trained to operate in competition. But the laws of the universe, the law of nature, is abundant. It's infinitely abundant. There is no need for competition. So... Those of us who are operating in the civilized world, knowing that there's infinite abundance, we can thrive because we're, we're, we are not worried because we know the well-being is everywhere. And then the other ones are the ones that are struggling because they've really taken their institutional training to heart and they, they believe that they have to effort to be successful. I mean, I just don't believe that. I'm not saying I don't work. I do work and I do a lot of things, but my efforting isn't effort. It is fun. Like you wake up at four. You can't do what you do, Xavier, if you were not having a blast. I actually really enjoy it. I I do have to admit, like once, once I actually do this episode and like, I love editing video too, which is really wild. And I, I, it's like a meditation for me. So I like getting wacky and zany very early and it sets my day in the right direction. And then like my whole day is super productive. 
all business. And you're so spiritual with it. It's it's really, really good. I mean, I love that part of it. And it's just funny. Hello, citizen. Good morning, citizen, or whatever you're saying. All those things that you do, it's just it's fun. But like if that's the point. If we choose what we're doing, like Nicole, you can't say and you didn't like roasted coffee, but I think you kinda like the roasting of the coffee. You mm-hmm. you love the smell of it or something. I don't know. I do like roast I like drinking coffee too, but I like roasting coffee. Yeah. It's good, man. It's good. I can't wait. Too Ariel easy. Ariel X one eighty two says, "Do something you love, and you will never work a day in your life." And this yeah. is very true. There's this song that my family and I listen to. Um, I forget who wrote it, but it, it says, "Hey, hey, hey, I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation." Oh hey, yeah, hey. I know. Yeah, so it it really is like sort of an anthem for us right now. It's like. Choose what you love and do what you love. Yes. And and if you're afraid, then take baby steps. But do take steps because it'll make you feel good. And that feeling good will overpower and override the fear. And it, that feeling good makes you see pathways to do more of the things you want to do. Because the other thing is, if you're doing something you don't want to do, why are you doing it? Well, maybe you're doing it to get you towards doing something you want to do, right? No, it's fear. And then enjoy the thing you don't want to do. Like yesterday, I spent the whole day sanding a floor, which is not something I would usually choose to do. But it's a step towards something I do want, which is revenue from that property, which is a rental property. And sanding floors isn't that bad. You got a respirator on, whatever. It's just work, right? Gives you time to be in your head and think about stuff. There were lots of things to enjoy about that time in your head. Somebody actually on YouTube was asking about meditation. That's not meditation, but it kind of is for me. If I'm physically active and it's something that doesn't require high intellectual capacity, like sanding a floor, I my brain goes places that, wow, it's really fun. So that does become fun at that point. And I think that's something people, people spend a lot of time with their perspective on what they're doing as negative when all you need to do is is understand the why. And if the why is positive, you have a different feeling about all that you're doing. And that makes it easier to take those steps towards living the life you want to you live. Yeah, I think that uh, I love physical labor because it is meditation for me. I mean, there's meditation, but then there's that satisfaction that you gain from Especially, you know, when we're doing all these other uh, jobs, Nicole, like running the companies and, and having to figure all these other uh, things out that are just uh, very uh, administrative and, and whatever, we can really appreciate and enjoy uh, time to just really get physical and get down and dirty and do something. And, and it is a meditation for us. And it's nice. It's a relief to know that we're, we're making some headway towards our goals, but we're not having to think. We're not having to really, you know, put all that other energy out there. We don't have to worry about anything. We can actually like, like immerse ourselves in the joy of making that floor as perfectly sanded as possible or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Are there any books that you all have read, read that that have helped you get onto your path? Hmm. Not, spe- not specific to your actual uh, work, be it coffee roasting or meat providing, um, but like the entrepreneurial spirit or the, 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 
something that inspired you to, to actually spread your wings and go further? I know for me, um, there was a number of them, but one that really sticks out was Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Um, if you're familiar with that book by Richard Bach, it was basically about a seagull who didn't want to just live to try to get food and fight with everybody else to get more food. And he wanted to fly. He had wings. He recognized that this was a gift. So he took his wings to the, to the furthest that he could and eventually became like the bird messiah, the, the seagull messiah. It was like a story, a parable of Jesus in, in, in so many ways, but more in depth, more, more spiritual in some ways. And, um, to really like soak up life and what it means to be alive. And he had to go and be kicked out of his tribe, right? Which is something that we had touched on in the very beginning of this, mm -hmm. of this talk. Being willing to be on your own, being willing to face the ridicule or non-acceptance of your people, um, and, and really be about something other than just surviving or trying to get by. Being about something that is important beyond your own life. And found out he did throughout the course of his adventures that there were others like him and, you know, a whole saga ensued. And it was ultimately about the meaning of life and the, the purpose of existence and this eternal nature of the soul. And that that kind of inspired me to be like, why would I want to live small? Right. Like I read all of these books, watch these movies about heroes and people who've done these things. And what would it take for me to be able to fulfill my life's purpose, my life's mission? So that when I die, because I will, I look back and I say, hey, that was fucking cool. Instead of like, oh, I wish I had done this or I wish I had done that, you know, like. And so I've done risky things, you know, but incredibly, I'm still here all in one piece. No broken bones, no cavities, like miraculously. Right. So, Yay. yeah. So I, I find winning. Right. I've got a beautiful family, like nice place to live, you know, doing amazing work. It's like. That's what that's that's the only that is literally the only outcome of pursuing your dreams and pursuing your passions and being uh, fully alive. And you know, what's funny is uh, I, probably most people don't know. I have a degree in classical music and German huh. and I'm a fluent German speaker, although if I were to speak it right now, I'd have a terrible accent. And it would take me probably 10 minutes of speaking it to get the, you have a Tennessee the, German accent a German shift in my brain to remember how the language goes. And one of the things that gave me strength to get through a lot of adversity in, in my journey has been Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which the poem for that is translated into English, but in German, the meaning is a little bit different. And those words and that music and how it all works together has, has proven strength. When I, when I feel my confidence down, which happens sometimes to all of us, especially if I'm about to go give a speech, I, I blast me some Beethoven and I go out there and I seize the world. Nice. Right. Because the message of that poem is that all people from different walks of life or classes are one people united in, in love. Right. And yeah. it's joyful and it's in God. And all of that is very powerful for me. And I would say another one that has empowered me in my entrepreneurial journey is the four-hour work week. Do I work more than four hours? Hell yes, I work more than four hours. <laughs> I think most people hours. do, yeah. But, but the mind shift of, how, of taking back responsibility for your time. 
yes. is what that's, you learn in that book. Major thing. Yeah. And it's a you problem that you're working all the time. It's a yeah. you problem that people don't understand how to do the stuff you're delegating to them. It's a you problem, right? Right. And it's up to you to fix it. And sometimes fixing it takes a lot more time than it takes to do the thing. But once you do that one time, if it's replicable, that saves you time in the long run if you can find somebody to execute. And so you will another- undoubtedly face challenges. And like you will undoubtedly face dark nights of the soul and days that you are like, what the? But you know what? You will always face those, whether you're doing yeah. what you want to do or what you don't want to do. So you might as yeah. well be doing what you enjoy doing to face those, right? Yeah, sometimes you come home and the goats got out and you got to go chase goats. It's just the way it is, right? And I, I I was ready to shoot a damn goat once because it kept jumping out of the fucking fence. <laughs> and, like, it got into my neighbor's bushes and he, and he like, has all these ornamentals and he's, like, yeah. tries uh, to keep my... And it's like, and it was, yummy! Yeah, yeah. And I was feeding my kid one day and, like, I couldn't... I, I was home alone. Like, I couldn't go take the goat. I couldn't go get it out of his bushes. Uh, and he's like, I'm going to call the police. And I'm like, don't. Don't bother. Just shoot the damn goat. <laughs> <laughs> Dinner, dinner, right there. Yeah, exactly. Lisa, do you have a book or anything like that that helped you on your journey? I was trying to think of that, and you know, I mean, all right. Before I was doing what I'm doing, this this wasn't planned. This was just we talked about this. I didn't plan to do what I'm doing. It was the crisis that pushed me into this, and I just kind of. Walk, woke, woke up in it out of my grief or something. <laughs> I don't know, you know, like, um, I don't know, but in my past life, and, and by that I mean, like, before marriage, um, <laughs> I was, you know, like, I was big into real estate. I was, um, an SOS person. I used to go in, like, we didn't own anything. We didn't manage anything, but we would just go in and help people go from the red to the black. I was very much in that world with all the success speakers. And so I can't say that there was any one specific book or anything that shaped me, but it was just all of those things that I always wanted to help lead people to grow and develop into being better than they were and never be feeling diminished. You know, I just, I just, Really, that's really what I wanted. I didn't want people to be feeling diminished, and I wanted to show them how they could be the best somebody that they could be. And so when I was doing that work, my work was to go into a collapsing, like, business that was falling apart in the red. They had no budget because they were in the red, and I had to turn them around and make them go in the black. So maybe it wasn't the book as much as it was that experience. And because I was with that company that was so aggressive, they used to send us to all the success seminars back in the day. I don't know if you know what those were, but yeah. like, like landmark and some of those other ones. Yeah. And then, so, um, you know, cause we didn't have like podcasts or anything to motivate us. <laughs> so they would send us to these, you know, success days and, you know, success weekends or whatever. And, um, I would say, you know, probably what about, what about, um, successful entrepreneurs that have podcasts or do things like, like I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Dude, I have it on. Don't disturb me. I don't know why it's not. I don't know why it's listening. They, they break through. They break through. Like, like Richard. Like, I, I enjoy listening to him. 
or I, I did. I mean, actually, when I was driving the kids, when they were tiny, and I'm, we had a micro school that we used to go to. Um, it, it was small, and it was kind of far. So we had this long ride. But we would be listening to Brendan Burchard. And the yep. kids thought it was cool. Like, they were learning, too, with me. Dude, you know? can, can, you, can you believe some families listen to Baseline? Like, they have their four-year-olds, their five-year-olds, and their seven-year-olds. Why not? I send Baseline to my Why kids. Not? I mean, really? sometimes you well, I I'm like, this is the news you have to listen to every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had so many parents telling me that. I was like, oh, my God, I curse all the time. Are you crazy? So that's but, why I started bleeping. They listen to music. I mean, like our teenagers, they're listening to music. I mean, they don't seem – all these new people, the new artists don't know how – they're using old artists' talent yeah. and then putting their bad words on top of it. So, I mean, I don't know. Jen Rad in the t- in the comments said Celestine Prophecy series. That was a fundamentally yes. like transformative book for me. I think it was for millions in, in high school. Like I used to go to the bookstore, I guess whatever it used to be called Brookstone or something before Barnes and Nobles. There was something that it was before Barnes and Nobles. Mm. And I used to go there and just sit in the self-help section and read all of the books. And I found Celestine Prophecy when I must have been like 14 years old. And, and I read it and it changed my life. Like I could start seeing auras and all of these things. And, uh, that was a huge one for me. And I know John Bush, he loves Grant Cardone. That's one of his big guys that he follows. I like Gary V, V, Gary Vaynerchuk and, um, and this guy named Brad Lee. He's, he's a total like, like just tough rhino kind of guy, you know, smokes cigars and cusses and everything. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm digging this guy's vibe. Yeah. Oh, also in Jack. Jack was a huge influence. Yeah, Jack. On I was going to bring that up because uh, it actually this segues into what I wanted to ask next. Good. Good. Did you listen to Jack's podcast from yesterday yet? Which the answer is usually no to this. Mm-mm. So he's no. just been on vacation and he just came back this week. And yesterday he went all gloom and doom on us. About, oh shit. Oh yeah. It was great. In in a Jack way, right? So right, it's not right. like it's the end of the world. You're going to die. But his, his outlook on the next two years of our economy is not super positive and shortages. And then he lands on what can you do to build resilience? And I kind of wanted to bring that up today because the fear of not jumping in to take care of yourself, the fear of not bothering to follow basic tenets of, well, maybe I should have a three-month food supply or something on hand and those sorts of taking care of yourself things or going down a path where you have alternative sources of income beyond your job just in case your job melts away, that inaction should be scarier than the fear of trying something new. And then I heard Jack's podcast and I thought, what do you guys think about the next two years and the best way to to build resilience in yourself and your community. The, um, I listened to his, the last episode I listened to was right before he went on vacation. Yeah. With the futures guy. I love that episode. That was so good. Um, and so in that one, he's talking about how the, the economy is going to be like the roaring twenties, which is interesting. Cause when we moved into this space, I said, this, this, I want this space because I'm going to make a speakeasy here mm-hmm. a and because I'm going to keep the door locked. You're going to have to have a password, you know, and that's how it's going to go. And, um, and so when he said that, I was like, 
That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Because we got everything rogue established for our, from everything from the rogue butchering to the whatever we will be controlling our food system for the community. And, you know, look, I don't want a homestead. I just don't. Okay. I think it's cool, but I don't want to, but I, we have established what we've established here so that for the other people that are like me that don't want to do that, we can all put all our, or even if they are homesteading, but they're missing something like they can't do a dairy cow or, or whatever, something they can come here. And we have a lot of homestead members also that are doing a lot of their own stuff, but then they come here, but Everybody's going to want to have a speakeasy or somewhere to go hang out and just chill and just enjoy yourself. And so that was what that guy on his podcast was saying is that it's going to be going back to, uh, you know, get ready. It's going to be like the roaring twenties and it's totally going to be black market and, you know, whatever else. And I've already been preparing everyone in my food church to, you know, now that I'm thinking like John Bush and Freedom Cell, I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys make sure you have, you know, get to pivot, pivot so that you have some income outside of whatever, because they're giving us the 2030 deadline, the they, the Mr. Okay. or whatever they are. Um, if that's their thing, I'm like, OK, let's just say within five years, get your act together, get it together. And, and like pivot. And if that means to dissolve a little bit of things and, you know, but I don't think anybody should not be interested in diving into their passion right now, but just do it rogue. Plan on it. Like plan on diving into it rogue and you should be successful. I mean, if you're one of those people that wants to do something, but you believe that you can't do it because, or you're worried about what's going to happen with the economy. You can't be worried about what's going to happen with the economy. You have to just dive in and, but be prepared to do it um, in the ways that we're always talking about, or you guys are always have been talking about here, like in that, with that whole freedom cell mentality, the other I'm path. Looking, I'm looking at the cryptocurrency markets and <laughs> it's like, it's on it's sale. Roaring. It is totally <laughs> roaring. Yeah. Like the, the, I see this as an echo of the twenties in, in so far as like everybody's going hot to trot. There's lots of money to go around. Cryptocurrencies flying all these nouveau rich. And, you know, just today it's like collapsed like by 30% or something. And that's huge, right? There are people that are like, I just lost $500,000. Like, I know that, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it's, 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 it's like that. You mean they're going to make it back tomorrow like that too? I mean, it could, it, it could, could, but I, I actually, further down. I think it's going to go a lot further down for, for a while and then it's going to come back and do like faster than it was before. Um, I think this was planned. It's totally unregulated market. There's literally no way to regulate it. Um, the cat's out of the bag and, and like it's out of control. And that's why we're seeing the mass. That's why we're seeing the propaganda pushes for, you know, totalitarian new world order, fucking vaccines, passports, just lo- like they're trying to do whatever they can because the whole thing is coming apart. And when Jack says, if, if I, if I can imagine what he said, um, cause he, we, we think a lot, a lot alike. And like, I have never seen a scenario in my head where it goes full out zombie invasion, Mad Max kind of shit. Yeah. I what I've seen, no, what I've seen is like, a, a balkanization of the United States, sh- food shortages, supply shortages, hunger, more rampant violence, you know, people just on edge and not prepared. 
And all, right. like for all, like all, like you said, Nicole, all of the reasons why you're scared to not do this is why you should be scared to not do not this. Not do it. Yeah. Right. That's right. If you do this, we're telling you, do it right now. Do it right Start now. Start it though. Like that's the other thing. Cause then people are like, Oh, I'm overwhelmed. It's like, take one step. Yeah. You don't have to do it all in one day, but take a step, you know, and, and write an SOP. Yeah, yeah, one of, exactly. Write an SOP because. An SOP. <laughs> I need to be writing my SOPs. <laughs> Document. Well, and. I didn't have a plan for this, so, you know. His, his example was the gas shortage that we just had, which was completely unnecessary. And then yeah. he went back to why is it happening? Is it because the pipeline was shut down? Not exactly. That was the media event. That made it worse. No, it's the same reason that lumber companies are sitting on all their yeah. lumber and artificially squeezing it. And then it's the same reason why uh, the farming farmers are being paid one and a half times more to burn their crops than to not deliver them. Xavier. What's that? All of my farmers are holding their lumber because we're not going to sell it. For cheap. No. We're, we're just, I, you know, like, I don't know that some OSB for, for what I paid for at retail. We're selling the lumber direct. We just <laughs> yeah. told them we're like, we're not going to, we're not going to sell it to the companies because they want to pay us crap for it. So we're just selling. We're like, I've been calling all the general contractors around here. Come get lumber from us. Don't go to yeah. Home Depot. It, it's all completely manufactured. Somebody just Ariel X182. It is. It's all like art. Of, and, and that's what I, I, I go back to. It's like there are shit bags. In positions mm-hmm. where they should not be. And right. we need a system of accountability to manage this many fucking human beings in a complex system that has to have accountability. And like you said, Neethi, like the, the, the thing in 1910 with the, the, the Rockefellers and the foundations centralizing everything and making these systems and then allowing corrupt people to get into that place. Allowing it was built on it. They Neethi started said. it. I want Sorry. to go back to something Neethi said as an example of you can get started. Neethi knows people who make lumber. Lumber is selling for a lot of money right now. Neethi is smart. Neethi knows, I know how we can make more money. We can find people who need lumber and sell it to them directly. Yeah. That, it's that mindset that we're talking about here, right? Yep. Where there are going to be opportunities in, in this up and down wave if you, if you're willing to see them. And that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah, because I was like, you know, I know people, I, I mean, I'm trying to get all this construction done, right? And I find out nobody wants to give me bids because they can't get lumber. I didn't know they were not talking to me because they weren't sure how to get the supplies to give me a bid. No, no, no. They, so, there, there is lumber. It's just double and triple the yeah, price. It's just, it's, well, what I'm saying is here, the guys were having trouble getting the lumber. Uh, They just weren't talking to me. So when I say, when I, so then I started, I tried a different strategy. I I, I sent him a text and I go, Hey guys, I have lumber on my farms and we want this project done. Can I get a quote? Everybody showed up. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, did you just need supplies? Yes. Okay. Come get them from (laughs) us, but you can't get them for any of your other jobs until you do my job. And then you can have all the lumber you want to do any of the other jobs, we have a lot of lumber. We're harvesting it every day. So that that right there, you can't get any lumber until you do our jobs first. Simple, makes sense for you, but that is out of fucking control in the larger market. 
somebody says, oh, yeah, you can't get the lumber unless you do what I want first. And then um, they turn that. To be nice. You're being nice about it. No, I get it. You you have like it's not a big fucking scheme. It's just like I got my shit and I need it done, right? But like there are people out there who take that and then spin it. And we're seeing that in oil. We're seeing that in food. We're seeing that in lumber. We're seeing it everywhere. And it's because again, fear, right? They're afraid that something they they know what Jack knows, what we all know. Something crazy is going to be taking place in the next two, five, ten years. Right. And so everybody's like trying to get their all their shit together. And whoever's stupid enough to not, you know, it's sort of like, well, they're left holding the bag, essentially. Well, well if society melts down and you're not prepared at all, by the way, and you've learned skills, you've at a minimum learned how to take care of yourself uh, rudimentarily, like you could live in a tent perfectly comfortably. Yeah. If you've learned that, then if everything melts down, you're like, eh. I can live in a tent. I'll be fine. Yeah, he's got his knife on. <laughs> I literally carry a knife with me all day, every day to remind myself that I have these skills that I could go walk out into the woods and be fine, take my family out into the woods and be fine and thrive. Because yeah. that also gives me confidence, right? Like I, right. whatever comes my way, I can handle. I literally stopped a shooting yesterday, two days ago, two days ago. And I, I, I started panicking. I'm sitting here in a suit in a meeting and these guys roll up and they've got guns and they're ready to fucking shoot somebody, you know, because they wanted to collect some money from somebody, not me. And (laughs) and I'm like, I'm in the same room as these people. And like my guy, my friend, somebody I know is going to get shot if I don't do something. (laughs) So I just started baselining my, my fucking way through the day (laughs) and through the conversation, put on a bunch of wit, a bunch of charm and said, listen, we're all reasonable fucking human beings. We can figure this out and everybody can go away happy somehow. Let's make that happen. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it, 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 like literally, like I was breathing and saying, today could be the day. Let's see where this leads. Wow. Well, I'm going to do the right thing, you know? Xavier runs in tougher circles than I do. How about you, Nisi? <laughs> yeah, you know, I live in my very own little world over here. And, you know, yeah. I mean, although I understand and what you're saying to feel powerful or feel better when I'm feeling whatever. I've been taking my uh, 17-year-old to the range, and we're just shooting because practicing. We're just practicing. Like, you know, and he's, like, you know, playing games because the different, you know, targets. So he does the hostage target just for fun. And he tries to see how far it can go and how, you know. Right. So it's a game. But it's also not. It's also skill and also, you know, muscle memory and, and whatever. And a lot of folks would be like, you take your son to the range. And I'm like, look, when you're in these chaotic times when everything is so freaking unexplainable, then your 17-year-old's not stupid. And they're just like, I'm like, look, you just need some basic life skills. Can you be the shooter? You be right. the shooter, okay? <laughs> you just be really good at that. And yeah, we've had We've had – something going on here on I-24 where shootings are happening. Like a car comes up behind another car and just starts unloading for n- no reason. And I'm hearing stories like that all over the place of people just getting violent for no good reason because they're frustrated. That's something I wouldn't have even thought that was possible two years ago here. Yeah. A solution for frustration. I mean, now they're saying be careful on I-24. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to I-24 right now. Jeez. Yeah. Somebody, uh, Ariel X has some, had some great, great comments in the chat today. 
how to flaunt your wealth in 2021. Practice shooting on wooden targets because <laughs> bullets are really expensive and wood yes. is really expensive. What is it? Yeah. yeah. It's like a dollar a bullet down airsoft here. Airsoft gun. Buy an airsoft it, gun. You can't even, in some stores, you can't even buy rounds unless you're shooting there. And they won't sell you rounds unless you're buying a gun. And they'll only sell you the rounds for that gun. But if you buy that gun, they'll sell you, like, you know, a lot of rounds for that gun. Hmm. Interesting. We have memberships over here that have been going on. And I never saw that here before. And... They just want you to come all the time. They have all these incentives to come on a regular basis. So I always just buy extra ammo <laughs> every single time. They don't know. So what here's, here's some basics, right? Like I'm not an investor in terms of giving advice, but I keep four to five percent of my portfolio in goods, gold, silver, guns, bullets, seeds, liquor, tobacco, things that people will always want, right? Right. And then, you know, the rest in a lot in crypto, a lot in land and some stocks. I don't even like the stock market. I think it moves too slow for my taste. Um, and, and and frankly, like I love the, the, the crypto ride. So um, but, you know, you also need some sort of diversified series of incomes, you know, whether it's income from selling merchandise or selling coffee like Nicole does or running a meat church in the way Neethi does, you know. Have something that you enjoy that you can derive profit. Fyron.com. Fyron.com. <laughs> and, um, and, and buy fire tokens when they come out on the market because you're, it's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, being able to build some kind of means of value that you can exchange in your local community and start learning how to do that online if you don't already. Um, and, and definitely three to six months of stored goods. Toilet paper. You can start with toilet paper, you know. That's super um, easy to buy a cube but Sam's Club. Yeah, you know. I've been and, buying and, it from Who Gives the Crap. If you guys don't know them, <laughs> um, there's Who the Gives the Crap. And they build toilets in third world countries. And and their toilet paper, uh, I didn't like the bamboo variety. It's pretty not, not cozy. But the, <laughs> the recycled one is really fine it's pretty much charmin you know like on the bum and um and you're supporting a nonprofit, and you can set it on put it on set it and forget it and it just shows up who gives a crap who yeah. gives a crap i've seen commercials for them really it's actually helpful to have feedback on the texture of the bamboo no seriously no yeah don't get the bamboo one get the other one and their paper towels suck but the kleenex is good actually i have Kleenex right here. It's just they have and they have and they're funny. Toilet paper, rolls. Got it, runny, denote. See, they're they're just funny. Everything they do is with a joke. They're very smart. Very smart. Oh, okay. So it's forty bucks basically for forty-eight rolls, like a dollar a roll. Yeah. That's cool. It's fantastic. And when all this crazy was going on, I was like. Wait a minute. We tried that. Who, you know, yeah, we, we, we had, we tried that one time before. Let me try it again. Let me try it again. Let me see if they're still in business. And I was like, now they have this new recyclable variety. Let's try that one. Oh, this is way better than that bamboo one that they, because when they very first started, it was only the bamboo. And I was like, that is not the way. This is not European public restroom texture. Is that what you're talking about? 
I don't know what it was. It's not the way. And we have 48 rolls of it. So I started handing it out as a funny gift because it just is funny. Because all, <laughs> all of the rappers say, who gives a crap? So it's just- you know what we should do? We should do an episode on hygiene, uh, like a TSHTF yeah. hygiene, TSHTF barter, TSHTF, T, the shit hits the pen, TSHTF. Can we find a new acronym for that? I know. I'm like, what is it? It's just too many letters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but basically, you know. How about common sense? Cause you need to learn how to take care of yourself and toilet yeah. paper, while very convenient, is not the end all be all. There are other ways. You can have water. Yeah. You can use a hose. It's, yeah. Or, or, or like a bunch of cloths <laughs> that you have, you know, seven cloths and each one is for a different day and you learn how to wash things. Wash Gosh, them. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us yeah. go more than once a day, Xavier. Yeah. The girls need a little bit more, but we have old sheets that you can cut into millions of little squares. Pieces. It is yeah. possible to do. It's, it is. It's, yep. I mean, toilet paper was not the thing I was ever going to be running out for. Yeah. Chocolate <laughs> on, the other hand. on the other hand. Now I'm trying to figure out how to get our um, farms funded so that we could get the alternative because we need them to be able to bring the food mm-hmm. without gas. Yeah, gas is a big one. And that's uh, going back to Jack's episode. He just reiterated the method that he's been talking about for years, which is you buy on January 1st, you buy a gas can that's a five gallon gas can, you fill it and you write a one on it and you put fuel stabilizer in it and you put it in your shelf. On February 1, you buy a gas can that's five gallons and you fill it and you put a two on it and you put fuel stabilizer and you put it on your shelf. At the end of the year, you have 12 times five gallons worth of gas. And on the next January, you take that one that's now a year old, you pour it in your car, top off your car the rest of the way, fill the can. And in that way, you always have gas stored so that when something stupid like what happened last week with gas stations actually running out of of gas, you don't care. Yeah. You don't care. And you know there's going to be more gas shortages. They were predicting them in July this year because of the reduction in fuel production related to shutdowns and people not buying gas. So then they stopped producing gas. And all of that rolls out after the fact. And now we're back driving places and visiting people and woohoo, and we need gas to do it. Yep. And look into veggie diesels. Happy well, that's what we're talking about and like trying to just get solar. Like we were like, why can't we just get a solar truck? Like that's what we need, you know, or whatever, wind, solar, something. In World I mean, War doesn't II, Elon, they, hasn't he figured this out already? In World War II, they had a way of um, a wood burning car. Had, have you ever seen that technology? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like a tank. It's a tank and a tank and you have a fire and it runs. Yeah. I don't know that that would work for the distances of yeah, our friends. Yeah, it depends on how far they're going. Horses, Nisi, horses. They, they'll keep rolling. They will. Man. You know how far they're going to have to come with it? And I don't think that our horses are allowed on the street. <laughs> Where do you live, Nisi? I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. Ah, okay. Yeah. Right in the I feel like. We need to have a, a gaggle gathering at some point. I'd like between that. Between the three of us in person. So where are you in Florida? I'm in Delray Beach, a surf town. Where is that? 
just yeah. south of West yeah. Palm yeah. Beach, north of Fort Lauderdale. So like southeast coast, about 40 minutes north of Miami. Okay. We were just there not long ago. Well, last Thanksgiving we were there. We went there for Thanksgiving. Or in that, like we were 20 minutes north of Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah, Boca Raton, Delray Beach area. Yeah. Boynton. That's yeah. Everybody's grandparents or parents live in uh, Boca Raton. One of my best friends is in Tampa. I think that's where Sal is too, right? He's in Tampa. Sal's somewhere on the west coast of Florida, yeah. Yeah. I don't so know why. The elusive I, I don't Sal like, Mayweather. Yeah, I don't like the, the, the west coast of any place. Like, I don't like the west coast of the United States. I don't like the west coast of Florida. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. Because <laughs> it's inside. It's either, it's either that it's on the cold side of the ocean or it's on the inside of the dirty area over there. And I like to be out where it's flowing and moving. <laughs> yep. That's right. Okay, guys, we're coming on an hour and a half now. I'd like to go once around twice. So the first time around, for people who are still feeling that fear of getting started, what advice would you give them? I'm going to start with you, Xavier. Oh, shit. Um, I would say read Jonathan Livingston Siegel and read the Celestine Prophecy if you haven't. And find within you the willingness and the looking forward to death. Like, look forward to that shit because it's going to happen. And when you embrace that, then you can run towards it and you can actually get something done with your life in incredible, incredible steps. Okay, so, yeah, embrace death and go. Embrace death and go. Nisi. I want everybody to know that, you know, you get to create your own reality every day. You're doing that with your thoughts. You know that thoughts are things. And... I just think that you get whatever you believe. And if they tell you that you're going to die because of this disease or you're going to die because of the apocalypse or whatever, then, and if you believe it, it's going to happen. So why don't you focus on and believe what you want to happen? You know, um, I don't know if you guys are into like Marvel or, um, you know, I'm not very much into TV that much, but like Marvel is the way. Oh, okay. So, you know, um, what is the show that, uh, the ones, the time jumpers? I don't remember the names of titles. Loki? Okay. No, but like on the television shows that are related to Marvel, the time jumpers. WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far. Loki's coming and it's the time jumping one. We're watching all of those, but the, uh, show that was on before. Oh, I was hoping somebody was going to put it for me. Anyway, okay, so <laughs> there's this book that, um, in, in one of the shows, because they're traveling through time, right? And as they're traveling through time, they find all these different things, and they find this book, and it's a blank page book, but it's a magical book. And in this book, you everything that you write happens immediately. It's happening, like, all the time. And I encourage any of you who are interested in trying to do something, but you're not quite sure, I want you to just try to envision that you've done it. Just what does it look like? And then I want you to start writing it down and start drawing pictures of it. And if you keep drawing and keep writing, you know, and keep thinking about it, you're going to end up creating it. It's just, it's the way the world works. It's the momentum that you want to get going in that direction. So if the first thing that you do is just to make a list of things that you need to do to get ready to do that or things that you want to research, 
that's a step, guys. Like, that's one step. And it's a big deal. And then at the end of the day, when you're able to just say, well, I did these top three things, you took one big step in going in the direction of that. Okay. Well, my thing is very similar to both of your things, although I, I, you know, I'm not starting with the death perspective, although I, I think you're right on. You do need to not be afraid of that because it's coming no matter what you do. Right. It's, it's more of an ex- examine your I can'ts for the next week. Every time you think or you say I can't because blah, 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 blah. Examine that more deeply and find out is it a you problem? If it's a you problem, choose one I can't and figure out how you can and just work on that one thing until you crack that nut. Whether it's I can't store gasoline because I don't have enough money to buy five extra gallons a week or it's I can't find alternative ways to earn money because I don't have any more time left or it's I can't go to this place because my family won't let me. Whatever those I can'ts are, there is an I can't in your next seven days that you can. And that relates directly to your perspective, Nisi, perspective decision. If you turn I can't into I can, your whole world opens up and more and more things become possible. Okay, before we sign off, before we sign off from episode 41 of Unloose the Goose, let's go around again. Everybody tell us just how do we get in touch with you or give a little promo before we rewrap. Xavier. I'm Xavier Hawk. Uh, at Xavier Hawk on all of the social media platforms, except for Twitter because they suck. And you can reach me at t.me slash Phyron. That's P-H-I-R-E-O-N, which is our Telegram group, or at Phyron.com. P-H-I-R-E-O-N dot com. <laughs> Nithi. I am Nithi Bali, and you can find me. Um, probably the best thing to do is farm to fork meat riot.com. That's F A R M T O F O R K M E A T R I O T dot O R G. And all of my links are there and I'm pretty accessible. So awesome. And I'm Nicole sauce from the living free in Tennessee podcast, living free I also love roasting coffee. So if you need coffee and want to support me, <laughs> Hollerroast.com. I did want to mention that John Bush is doing another round of The Greater Reset. That's at thegreaterreset.com. Definitely go check those out. That's probably why he's not on today. I'm sure he'll be back as soon as their Greater Reset sessions are done. What are you going to say, Xavier? He still didn't invite me to speak. He still didn't invite you to speak. Sigh. Anyway. To help support Unloose the Goose, go to UnlooseTheGoose.com to find links to all of our social. Our most activity is on Telegram right now. Is that, what is that? T.me forward slash Unloose the Goose, probably. And then we also have a MeWe group that's starting to get a little bit more active. That's over at MeWe.com. With that, it has been episode 41 of Unloose the Goose. Honk. Unloose the Goose. Take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time, and we've got no use.